What's going on again, baseball fans? Welcome back to another 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm your host once again, Luke Zalman, and be sure to catch up on all of our Rockies written content. We have a brand new feature about Nolan Arenado up by Nilo Kiro. Um, I myself wrote a feature the other day about Herman Marquez and about Nolan Arenado as well, and I also wrote one about Antonio Senzatella, so be sure to go check that stuff out. Catch this pod, catch up on all of our all of our older pods if you need to, and just be sure to be checking on the website. We have a ton of content coming out. We have another preview coming out today um, by Nilo Piro for that Philly series. Um, so just be sure to check up on that. Brandon Ewing will be helping out too. TJ McBride, when he is done with Nuggets coverage, will be helping us out as well. So just be sure to keep checking up on the website. Um, and if you aren't seeing our content on the website, our new stuff, just feel free to go over to Bleacher Report. Almost all of it will be there as well. Um, kind of looking back at the San Diego Padres series, um, great pitching for the Rockies. I mean, they couldn't have asked for much more. Uh, both John Gray and Antonio Sensatella, um, they both combined for 13 inning, 13 and two-thirds innings, excuse me. Only allowed two earned runs between them, so very good starts. They both only allowed one. Obviously, John Graves came on a home run once again from Will Myers. Uh, that's 16 straight for him allowing a home run. That's a new National League record, so probably a record that he would like to not get much bigger. But I think if you're the Rockies and he's only giving up one home run per start, only one run, it's hard to be upset about that, even if that streak you know, continues. Um, I personally think it'll end pretty soon. But I think it'll end on a game where he might get roughed up a little more than a home run. I think that for that streak to end, I feel like he's going to get single and doubled to death one game and only pitch about four innings, and that's how that streak's going to end. I wouldn't wish it upon him, nor would anyone else, but that's just kind of in my mind what I kind of think is going to happen. But overall, he said after the game, he said he had to see stuff. Just his, if he was grading it on a letter grade to go, he said he had a C stuff, which was, which is pretty crazy. He said he was able to battle through it, able to, you know, get a nice seven inning start. That's his first seven inning start of the year, which is something that talking to him, he really has wanted to do for the entire season. He gets pulled in that first start with a calf cramp. Um, in his latest start, he got pulled with six and two thirds as well because he started to struggle. Um, he's just wanted to get to that seven that seven inning plateau so bad and he finally was able to get it um so good for him um he's now at a 3-4-2 ERA he's only got 25 Ks in 26 and a third innings um actually kind of low for him that's bound to rise a little bit he's always been a very high K guy even when he struggled um Ks have always been his thing um but in the first three games that he pitched he only got one run of run support and all three of those games combined. So for him to actually get some run support and get it early, get it in the first inning for the first time this year off of that Nolan Arenado birthday bomb, the two-run homer, um, I think it really helped him throughout the game, really stay focused, really keep his confidence. Um, I think that was a very big deal for him as far as being able to go deeper into the game, even when he maybe didn't have his stuff. He said all year his confidence is is very high right now. He knows that on his on his best day he can sit down any lineup in the league and he's really he's really believing that and he's preaching that when you talk to him um so good for him he's finally getting that confidence back he's finally rolling a little bit um and he's actually had a pretty good season 
Um, I think you see that he's, you know, you see that he just got his first win and you think, oh, wow, he's not having a very good year. And his ERA was, you know, decently high before his last start. But he's been really good despite the 1-3 record. The 1-3 record is more about his lack of run support in my mind um, than his pitching. Um, and then you get Senzatello who came out. Fastball looked great uh, through about 75% of the time. Um, he looked very good. So he'll take Bettis' spot in the rotation, um, and Bettis will move to the bullpen. Um, his role is not quite defined yet. I would expect it to be a long relief role. Um, but it hasn't been defined yet by himself or Bud Black yet, so that's still kind of a to-be-determined type deal. Um, Tyler Anderson will come back uh, for this weekend series, um, so they're not going to have to uh, really jumble their rotation too much. They are going to skip Chad Bettis' latest start and go with Freeland in the opener against the Phillies. Um, obviously, with his move to the bullpen, it wouldn't make much sense for him to start that game, especially when Freeland is is good to go. Um and the bullpen has looked really good. So adding Bettis to it can't really hurt. I mean, six relievers, um, they combined to give up two earned runs in that Padre series. Um, and there's four of them with an ERA under three this year, if you were to include the injured Jake McGee. Um, so they've been just very great this year. Very, They've been very consistent. They, they've allowed a couple home runs. That's kind of been a little bugaboo for them. But I mean... Most of those home runs have come in non-impactful times. Um, so I think Bud Black can kind of live with that. As a as a bullpen, they've given up, you know, it looks like they've given up seven home runs. Uh, not ideal for a bullpen, but when it is mostly in that garbage time sector, um, it really doesn't matter that much. And Carlos Estevez has looked great. Obviously, he gets um, called up with the Jake McGee injury. I mean, he's looked very good. That fastball looks very lively. And, I mean, when he has the fastball working, it's pretty hard to hit against him. When I was watching him the other day, for some reason, just viewing him and watching the way he pitches reminded me so much of Dellen Batances. I don't know if it's just the size and the big fastball or what it is, but it just really reminded me of that Dellen Batances from the Yankees type feel. I mean, just a great arm from the right side, great slider. Um, Dellen Batances throws more of a slurve. Um, but overall, just very, very crisp lately. So good for him. Uh, it looks like Brian Shaw's back to normal. Scott Oberg's been really good. Um, they just, they, the bullpen has been great. Even Harrison Musgrave has been great for them after being kind of one of their last additions to the roster. And Mike Dunn with 3.6 ERA. Um, Wade Davis still has yet to give up an earned run. Um, he's only had five appearances this year, so really hasn't been on the field much. There hasn't been a ton of save situations after he led the NL in saves last year. He's at one so far this year, so really not many save opportunities for him as the closer. But he's been productive when he's come in. He has allowed you know quite a few base runners. He's walked five and four and a third, so that's not great. But I mean, he overall he's quieted the damage. But the real story for the Rockies and the real story of why their success has come is that offense. It finally woke up. Ian Desmond gets that double in the second inning of the first game of the series, breaks their second inning scoreless streak. And then Nolan Arenado gets that bomb, as I said, in the first inning of their last win. And now they've scored in every inning. So I think that's a monkey off their back. Um, Nolan really talked about he was just really struggling with you know, his early slow start. He really wanted to put the team on his back and he really wanted to get them out of the slump. 
Um, but with zero home runs, he just he he wasn't being as productive as he wanted to, and now he's got a homer in three straight. Um, and he's just really starting to just lock in. And I mean, it's typical Nolan Arenado. He has stretches like this every year where he just starts hitting home runs, and it's you know then it then it starts to get a lot easier for the offense to maintain a role. It seems like when he is not going well, they they just cannot get their offense going. I mean, they've won double the games that they've lost when he homers. So they've been extremely productive when he has you know hit a long ball and. I think it's 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 starting to pay off for them. Trevor Story uh, steals three bags last night, um, night before, sorry, when they uh, won that final game of the series against the Padres. That's most in a single game in his career, and his speed is just an, a, an amazing element for that team. Um, obviously, he had one of the first seasons last year with 35 home runs plus, 30 stolen bases plus, 40 doubles plus. Um, so he's... He's really he's turning into one of the better shortstops in the entire you know MLB. It's I would it, you could even argue that he might be up in that class with the Carlos Correas. I mean he's been more productive than Carlos Correa, but I think Correa still has that name value. Um, but I think people would be surprised to see the type of production Trevor Story's put up. Um, there will always be the course field factor. He does hit worse on the road. Um, but he's, he's still an elite hitter in this league and it looks like he's just getting better. And after that, after those first couple years where he was just striking out constantly, he's really worked on his approach and his contacts gotten a lot better, which has just made him even more successful. Um, kind of on the other end of things, even though the team's getting back together, Charlie Blackman is still struggling a little bit. He's four for 29 in his last six games. Um, his hard hit percentage is still the same, so he's still hitting the ball pretty well, but his soft percentage has, his soft hit percentage has skyrocketed this year. It's up to 25%. Um, that's the second highest of his career right now. Um, it's the highest since 2011, um, his first year consistently with the Rockies. Um, and he's just a lot of, a lot of ground balls, a lot of just, a lot of strikeouts. I mean, he's struck out 14 times, only has four walks. Um, a 266 on base percentage isn't great for a leadoff hitter, and I think that's added to their struggles quite a bit. I think he'll get it going. Um, but he had those injuries last year, and, you know, it kind of makes you wonder if he's still not quite right. I mean, he had the back. Um, he had a little bit in the neck at times. He was He was struggling a little bit last year. And it really sapped his power a little bit. And this year, I mean, his power is still his power is still down. He doesn't have a home run this year. Um, you know, he's got four doubles, but he's he's just not commanding the ball the way he did. You know, that year that he was a you know an MVP candidate. Um, so he's he's regressed a little bit. But picking up some of that slack lately has been Rymel Tapia. Um, he had a great game against the Padres, two for five with a double and a triple and three RBIs. His his at bats in that game were probably the best that I've ever seen from him. Um, he's one of those guys that gets behind a ton and counts. I mean, sixteen times this year he's either been down 0-2 or 1-2, and that's that's not going to exude success for him. Um, and as one of their lone left-handed hitters left with McMahon out, Daniel Murphy out, and all out. Um, they really need production for him. He's starting to he's starting to pick it up a little bit. I don't know if he's ever going to be this ridiculous on base machine. Um, but he is he does hit for a little bit of power. Um, 
more gap-to-gap down-the-line type power than home run power. He does possess that power. I mean, last year, still remember that grand slam he hit to walk it off against the Diamondbacks. The power's there, um, but it's just not one of those things where he's going to put up 30 home runs a year. That's just not really him. Um, his fielding, his fielding's been hit and miss too. He's a very aggressive fielder, um, both throwing and trying to field balls, and it can really hurt him sometimes. They've given up a couple advancements on the base paths from him throwing, you know, him trying to be aggressive and throwing out the lead runner and allowing the trail runner to advance an extra base, and that's kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of part of youth. He is still 25 years old. Um. And he's even younger when you consider how long he's actually been, you know, how much time he actually has in the majors. Um, but he's he seems to be getting better, um, and they could really use it. As as a fourth outfielder, especially when Dahl comes back, they could really use him, especially when Desmond slumps a little bit, which it seems like has kind of been a season-long thing for him. Desmond's been a little better lately, um, but that average is still at 164, 19 Ks. I mean, he's, he's still struggling quite a bit, lots of ground outs. Um, but he is, you know, he's, he's working his way towards getting better. Um, but I think at this point they know who he is and without that contract, he probably isn't playing consistently. Um, but they don't have that choice. They can't make that. They can't bench him. He's just getting paid way too much to get benched. Um, so that's not really a possibility for them. And then you have Garrett Hampson, who took over in center field uh, in that second game of the Padres series. And he's only hitting 200 on the year, but he has a hit in seven straight games. And his speed is extremely helpful on the base pass. They've been trying to hit him second a little bit. Um, and when he's able to get on base, it changes their offense altogether because he puts a lot of pressure on pitchers. Um, and he's just he's been very good. He hit his first career homer in that game as well. Um, kind of a wall scraper to left, but a home run nonetheless. Um, he was able to get that ball back. That was a pretty cool moment for him, considering he's he's been up. You know, he was up last year as well. Um, so for him to finally get that first home run, that was that was good for him. He's still only getting on base at a two at a two twenty four clip, which is not great for a two hole hitter either. And I think that's why they experimented with Nolan up there a little bit. Um, obviously, they didn't expect Daniel Murphy to get hurt, so that you know puts a Puts a chink in their armor a little bit, but overall, I think I think they have some young guys starting to put it together, and I think that's only going to progress even further as the year goes on. Another one of those guys, Tony Walters. I mean, he's only hitting two thirty-five as well, but just this year, he looks so much more sound at the plate. He looks really concise. He's right to the ball. Um, not a lot of added movement. He's really quieted himself down at the plate, and I think it's helped him. I mean, five of his eight hits have been doubles which is pretty wild for a catcher. I mean, you see catchers like JT Realmuto, who's going to be coming into town. You see catchers like that with a little bit of speed getting doubles, but Tony Walters does, you know, bring a little bit of a speed element. Um, excellent defense as well. He's thrown out five of nine runners this year. Um, that 56 is way higher than the league average of 31%, and his pop time has been under two all season. Um, he's had some crazy pop times. I think one game... If I remember right, the reading was like a 1-5 pop time on one of his pops. Just He's been great this year. Um, and the entire offense has just been able to wake up you know, from their little bit of a struggle. I think that it was a little bit of an overreaction to their struggles. I mean, they play in San Fran. That's not conducive to offense. 
Um, they play in Miami, not conducive to offense either. And then the Rays, who have won all their series to open the year, um, just an amazing bullpen. Pretty good starting staff. Snell just got hurt, but still a really good starting staff. Um, so I think it can be a little overblown. And they actually hit pretty decent against the Dodgers. The Dodgers just happened to hit that much better. Um, so I think there's, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it looks like after some extended spring training at-bats, after some BP, Dahl and McMahon are both in Denver currently. Um, so they are likely going to be back for that Philly series. So that's going to bolster the offense quite a bit, getting back you know, two lefties, um, be able to shift Mark Reynolds back to the bench, throw McMahon back at first um, for the time being until Daniel Murphy comes back, put Dahl back in the outfield, don't have to use, you know, They've they've been through the been through the gauntlet with outfielders, uh Jonathan Daza, Noel Cuevas, uh Rymel Tapia, even Garrett Hansen getting time in the outfield. Um so they'll be able to be a little more consistent in the outfield again, have that doll Desmond Blackman from left to right. Um so that'll be good for them. And Murphy is projected to be back mid to late mid to late May. Um that's almost kinda like a mid season trade for them, almost like an acquisition that they're gonna get. Um, so that'll be really good for them, especially for a team that doesn't trade much. I mean, they kind of get a figurative figurative trade. Um, I would expect them to maybe do something at the deadline, but they just always like to bolster that bullpen at the deadline. Um, so I would I would think that something like that will probably go about. Um, kind of branching off to the Phillies offense, though, that's their next series. They have a four-gamer starts today. And it extends through Sunday, and then they'll obviously play Washington um, at home as well. So another little homestand, similar to their Atlanta and L.A. homestand. Um, the Phillies' offense has been really good. Top 10 in runs. They've got 102 on the year. They're 11-6. and six. Um, And they, they really do it through power. They're almost similar to the Dodgers in that way. Um, they have a superstar. They have Bryce Harper, the Dodgers with Cody Bellinger which I think you could offer that they're much closer than people think uh, skill-wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have Bryce Harper, they have Reese Hoskins, Michael Franco, um, all over four home runs. Hoskins has cooled off a little bit. He was going bananas in the first couple weeks of the season. Well, I should say, you know, exactly first couple, the first two weeks of the season. He's cooled off a little bit, but he's still dangerous. Um, Harper's been up and down this year, but he's still getting on base over 40% of the time. Um, and he's walked 16 times already this year. So if the Rockies pitchers choose to pitch around him, he's not going to give up those, you know, phony strikeouts where he's extending outside the zone. He's going to be consistently, you know, pretty sound at the plate. He does have his, his swing and miss, but he's, I think he's used to the sort of Barry Bonds treatment that he's gotten the past couple of years, and he started to embrace it, and he started to take advantage of it and take his walks. Um, in his career against the Rockies, he's hitting 324, um, slugging 577. He's only got five home runs, but that slugging percentage still is pretty high. Lots of extra base hits for him. Um, and at Coors Field, he hits 387 in his career. So he's, and that slugging percentage even goes up to 627. Um, so, you know, with that, with that out of town scoreboard and right, um, he kind of has that type of power, almost like a Carlos Gonzalez, um, not, not quite that moonshot power. Um, but that porch is definitely one of his, uh, one of his favorite spots to go. Um, he's, Kyle Freeland will start that first game and in his career, 
Harper's two for eight against Freeland. Nothing great, you know, just just a two fifty batting average. He's got two Ks as well, so as many Ks as hits. Um, on the Phillies, the the hitter that's faced Kyle Freeland the most is actually Andrew McCutcheon. Um, he's faced him seventeen times. Uh, it's the most on the team. He's hitting he's hitting two eighty three this year, getting on base at a four thirty four clip from that leadoff spot. Um, so he's been pretty good, and considering he has that experience against Kyle Freeland. Um, that should come in handy for him. Um, he's had a couple bad years against the Rockies, intertwined with some amazing years. Overall, at Coors Field, he's hitting three eleven. Um, he's got six home runs, and it's Coors Field is his third highest on base percentage of any park in his career. And McCutcheon's had a pretty long career. He's won an MVP, a couple other top five MVP finishes. So he's been around quite a while. Um, at Coors, he's he's been very good. Um, it's hard to connect on-base percentage to a certain ballpark. Um, you know, pitchers may pitch around him considering the alt- altitude, um, but it's 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 hard to connect the two. It's just more of a coincidence type stat. Um, and as I said, they also have Reese Hoskins, also have JT Realmuto, who they got from Miami in the off season, um, and now they even have Scott Kingery, a an infield prospect that they've kind of been shifting in and out since last year, been trying to get him at bats. He struggled quite a bit last year. Um, he was supposed to kind of be their future alongside Reese Hoskins. Struggled a little bit last year, but he's hitting 48, 480 this year um, with Gene Segra on the shelf with that uh, gimp hamstring. Um, so he's going to be, you know, kind of a force in that lineup too. He's got a little bit of speed as well. He's got some power, hit another home run yesterday in that win over the Mets. Um, so he's, he's a good hitter and they're going to be facing a really good offense, but they might be facing them at a good time considering Philly doesn't seem like they've really clicked yet with the potential that's in that offense. I mean, they have Franco hitting at the bottom of the lineup. And he's shown power that could carry a team. He's shown power that could produce 40 home runs in a year if he can just put the bat on the ball more. So for him to be hitting at the bottom of a lineup, um, that's a pretty good problem to have. And I think the Rockies might be catching them at just the right time. Um, It always used to be such a conundrum because when they used to play Bryce Harper, they were playing the Nationals who had Trey Turner. And Turner would always go off against the Rockies. And Bryce Harper was always the one hitting him in. Um, so they won't have to deal with that this time around, but they will have to deal with McCutcheon. They will have to deal with Kingery. You know, they will have to deal with Real Muto in the middle of the lineup. Um, so still a very formidable lineup. The opening pitch up mat- pitching matchup, as I already talked about, Kyle Freeland's going to take the bump. They're going to skip Chad Bettis' start. Freeland's going to get that opening game of the series against Zach Eflin, a huge pitcher from the Phillies. 6'6", big dude, and he's... He's one of those guys whose underlying numbers suggested that he would finally break out soon. And this year looks like it might be that breakout. He has a 3.94 ERA, but he's 2-1. He's only walked 1 in 16 innings. He struck out 18. Um, and his last start, he was only able to go 4 innings. He allowed 6 earned, but the previous two before that, he goes 12 innings and only 1 earned run between the two. 14 Ks in those 12 innings. Um, so he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, he's got a mid-90s fastball that he can cut and he can turn into a sinker a little bit. Tons of movement with the fast stuff. Um, he's got a nice slider as well. He hasn't developed his curve and change quite as much. Um, those are kind of coming along well. But he's able to manipulate his fastball so much that he's able to succeed regardless of 
you know, kind of his other stuff that that he brings to the table. Freeland has struggled lately as well. 5-4-0 ERA in his first four starts. But in his last two, he's got 10 earned runs and 10 innings, one for each. Um, and he's really lacked command. Um, he's only got eight Ks in those past two games and five walks, which really isn't like him. He kind of relies on command because he doesn't have that big fastball. Um, so for him to not have, you know, that command, it really hurts him. Um, also just looking at some of his analytics, um, he's got one of the highest hit percentages of his career, highest hard hit percentages, excuse me, 35.9%. And the spin that he's producing on his breaking stuff is towards the bottom of the league. It's only in the 15th percentile. Um, so he's really not getting that crazy movement on his breaking stuff. And that's really hurt him as well. There's no reason for panic yet. It's still early in the season. Um, he had two very good starts to open the year, but his last two have been a little bit cause for pause. Um, Herman Marquez has really picked up the slack. Um, but to have Kyle Freeland also dealing really bodes well for the top two of their rotation, considering the roller coaster that the rest of their rotation has been. Um, so they really need both of them to be successful. Um, Marquez has just been you know, ridiculous this year, and even two ERA through four starts. No one else is going to touch that, but if if Kyle Freeland is able to at least get close to that, that really supports their offense, and that really supports their success. Um, overall, I think it's going to be a good series. I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks in this series because the Rockies will send out their top two pitchers, but they also will have to send out Tyler Anderson coming off the DL, um, and he's gotten rocked this year. He's got an 11 ERA. Um, he's allowed two home runs already, allowed the most in the National League last year, 30. Um, so it's it's probably not looking like a great series as far as pitching goes, um, but should be a great offensive series. The Rockies are also catching Aaron Nola um, while he's kind of on a, on a little bit of a down streak compared to last season when he was a Cy Young contender. Um, so it should be a really interesting series. We'll have another podcast up after game two of the series once we kind of get, you know, kind of get a grasp of what happens tonight, what happens tomorrow night, and kind of see where the Rockies are at. See if they can continue that offense that they found in that final game against San Francisco, carried it over to San Diego, and now if they can bring it back home. At home, they haven't been great on offense this year. They were decent against the Braves and Dodgers, but it was it's how much of it can you really chalk up to garbage time how much was actual hitting um so it'll be interesting to see how they go about it and then they face the nationals with red hot anthony rendon um so we'll have a new podcast coming out on saturday i believe saturday morning kind of to preview the final two games of the series talk about how kyle freeland fared talk about how herman marquez fared um and just kind of talk about where the rockies stand so be sure to tune into that. Be sure to check on our written content. Like I said, Anilo Piero has a preview of the series, kind of being able to look at it from a numbers and words type point of view rather than just hearing it. Um, so he'll have that up today. We'll have that usual homestand content out. The The content is always great on homestands. It's good on you know road, road trips as well, but homestands always lend a little bit more to the content. Um, so be sure to check keep checking milehighsports.com. Um, be sure to keep cheering on the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs. Um, ignore the Denver Broncos. They haven't made the playoffs in forever. Um, but Rockies, you know, they're going to try to make a third straight playoff push. 
this will be a big series for them, especially as the year goes on. If they can capture two more series after winning their first series, that will bode very well for them. So tune in next time, and thanks for listening, baseball fans.